This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about empanadas. And I already, the craving is so strong. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm so hungry right now. I <laughs> I hope my stomach doesn't get out of hand, the growling, but you know, yeah. it's possible. Yeah, this was, um, I mean, I feel like most of our episodes are craving-inducing in one way or another. Um, I hope y'all understand, because a very frequent thing that, that y'all say when you write in is is you're like, well, I like this show even though it induces so <laughs> many cravings. And believe us, we are on the same page. <laughs> we are oh, right yes. there with you. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and I love empanadas. Um I haven't had them in a very long time, so it's been, mm. I'm already plotting ways I can get my hands on them. They remind me of um, Dragon Con because Aww. I used to get them. There was a place near there where if I was like, okay, I don't want 
like con food, like yeah, like not there's anything wrong with it. But like if I was like, I want to mix it up and I want something else, but it has to work with my. Usually, I'm wearing gloves and all this stuff. (laughs) Uh huh. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah, I love him, love him too. Um, I had a uh, I had a friend whose family was from Argentina, and uh, and so when we had holidays together, his mother would always bring this huge batch of empanadas, and it was oh, it was so glorious. That is indeed glorious. That sounds very exciting. That's like the best. That's the kind of thing when people show up with. I'm so thrilled and yeah. so happy. <laughs> uh huh. Please come every year. Um, <laughs> National Empanada Day is April 8th, so mm-hmm. nowhere near. Nowhere near now, no. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, but you can also see our meat pies episode um, for yes. more generally speaking on pies, I guess. Yes, of the savory variety. But mm-hmm. for today, I guess that brings us to our question. Mm-hmm. Empanadas. What are they? Well, uh, empanadas can be a lot of things. It's a broad category of pies, uh, with the recipe tweaked for local ingredients and preferences wherever you find them. Um, Most often these days, an empanada is going to be a handheld pie, um, maybe like three to six inches across, up to about 15 centimeters, Um, a half-circle shape that's created by folding a full circle of dough over and uh, crimping the edges, around some kind of filling, um, either sweet or savory. Uh, They can also be larger, meant to be eaten with a knife and fork and folded like an envelope. Um, Empanadas can be baked or deep fried or even pan fried. Uh, The crust thick or thin, crisp or tender. The dough that's used can be uh, based in wheat flour or corn flour or masa or um, starchy vegetables like plantains or cassava or potato. You know, whatever works. Uh, The fillings can be anything. Uh, It's often meat or other proteins um, or cheese mixed with maybe some rice or noodles or potato or vegetables or nuts or fruit that's fresh or dried or jammed or chocolate or dulce de leche or other sweets. Oh, I want it all. I want it all. (laughs) Yes. I'm like one of each. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Um, the word is based in the Spanish word pan, meaning bread. Um, and pan literally means like in bread, like to wrap in bread. And a few related words like uh, like empanadilla are used in different places to refer to similar things. And, you know, like I, I don't I don't think I'm aware of a culture on this planet that does not have some version of like stuff wrapped in dough. Right. And baked or fried pies are pretty common. Um, But things called empanadas, being based in this Spanish word, show up in cultures where Spain was a colonial force. And there are things common to many different areas. uh, Things like like, like flaky deep-fried empanadas filled with melty cheese. um, Or uh, or empanadas baked with a filling of guava paste for for a sweet dish. Or a meat empanada studded with stuff like uh, olives, raisins, hard-boiled eggs, and or hot peppers. But you've also got lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of regional specialties. Um, in Argentina, they might be stuffed with ground beef and baked with a, with lard or beef fat in the wheat flour dough, making the crust all tender and kind of glossy. 
Um, in Colombia, they might be tiny, crunchy, fried corn flour shells stuffed with a mixture of potato and ground peanuts um, seasoned with, with onion and tomato and peppers. In Ecuador, they might be made with a dough of a cooked mashed green plantains and then filled with a shredded chicken that's been braised with onion and peppers and tomato and cumin. In Venezuela, they might be filled with um, with the ingredients of pabellón, um, uh, shredded beef and black beans and fried sweet plantains. In the Philippines, they might be filled with green papaya and mung beans and sausage, um, the dough tinted bright orange and fried until it's crunchy. In Mexico, you might find uh, baked sweet empanadas filled with cajeta, which is this type of a goat milk caramel um, uh, served as a snack with a coffee. Back in Spain, you might find a yeast dough empanada prepared as a larger pie that's filled with um, with tuna or chorizo cooked with uh, with onion and tomato cut into slices to serve. Uh, but th- these are just a very few examples. Like every region, every town, every household has their own takes. And these can be eaten as a quick snack or served as the main dish or the side dish to a meal. Um, for any meal of the day or anything in between. They're served from street carts and fancy restaurant kitchens and in homes, from family recipes that are secrets. Um, there's a whole industry that sells premixed empanada dough, empanada crimping tools. Uh, on the professional scale, there are empanada filling and folding machines. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've felt this tortured by a uh, saver <laughs> list. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> You're taking this one personally? <laughs> I am, Lauren, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, All these things I can't have currently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was reading about, like, whole restaurants that are devoted to nothing but empanadas um, that create, like, a hundred varieties or more with uh, different shapes and crimpings to indicate what filling they contain. Um, uh, empanadas can be served plain just as they are or with um, some kind of sauce or seasoning or condiment, uh, maybe a hot sauce or a salsa, uh, guacamole, just a lime wedge, um, or a sprinkle of sugar, even sometimes on the savory ones. Ooh. Yeah. Well, now that we've gone over this huge list, <laughs> what about the nutrition? Uh... It clearly depends. Um, this is a wide category. Um, I w- will say that often empanadas are a calorically dense food. They're they're meant to both fill you up and keep you going in a small package. Um, but you know that that being said, uh, I don't know. You know, like like watch your portion sizes. Uh, treats are nice if you're eating them as a treat, and and heck, just enjoy yourself, y'all. Oh, have a nice time, please. Yes. Please. It's a whole wide world of empanadas. <laughs> I can't remember where I was, but I once had this. It was a sweet empanada, and it was filled with, like, chocolate and maybe bananas. Okay. something else in there. Okay. And then whipped cream and, oh. like, powdered, not powdered sugar, but, like, a dusting of cinnamon and sugar on top, and it was, like, kind of caramelized. And oh. they were so good. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. <laughs> Bringing it back. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, we do have some numbers for you. We do. Um, empanadas have started showing up um, in uh, in manufactured varieties here in the United States in like convenience stores. Um, in particular, uh, 
I was reading that Stewart's, which is this New York-based chain of convenience stores, um, reports that uh, just 198 of their stores um, have been selling empanadas, but they've sold over 374,000 of them from their grab-and-go hot case over the past year. Wow. <laughs> they've only been carrying the product since 2019. Clearly, the people want empanadas. That That is true. Mm-hmm. There is a record for the largest empanada that was set in 1995 in Chile. I haven't seen, I haven't seen a record beating it. Doesn't necessarily mean it's not out there. Um, but this particular empanada weighed 1,200 pounds. It took nine people a week to make it and contained... 550 pounds of onions, 155 pounds of beef, 99 pounds of chicken, 33 pounds of butter, 11 pounds of olives, 5 pounds of dried raisins, and 150 eggs. Wow. I am just so intrigued by calculus. Is this, do you find like you have your family recipe and you just calculate it? And you just keep (laughs) extrapolating out. You're just like, oh yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Let's just multiply this. Yeah. Like 500. That was- <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Guinness record for the most empanadas served in eight hours, which is a strangely specific record, but I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the That record is 11,472 empanadas. It was achieved in Argentina in 2018. And Argentina, a big fan of empanadas there. There's a national empanada festival in that country. Yes, yes. Um, This happens in the Tucumán province, um, where apparently tripe is a traditional empanada filling. And yeah, the the festival includes hundreds of food stalls, an empanada competition, um, music, lots of wine. It happens in August, which is winter in the region, and it sounds just absolutely delightful. Everyone's all bundled up against the cold, and you're just getting these fresh, hot empanadas, and yeah. Oh, I I want it. I do, too. That sounds lovely. That sounds so lovely. <laughs> More field trips. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, but in the meantime, we do have a lot of history for you. Oh, we do, but first we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling 
is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll board it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, as Lauren alluded to, some of the first examples of humans stuffing something into some sort of dough... um, Usually, especially in the early days, stale bread that was essentially inedible otherwise. This examples of that date back to 2500 BCE Persia. This was like in an article I found in Empanadas. It probably goes back further and yeah. to other places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but in this particular case, for nomadic peoples living in warm climates, it was a great option when it came to preserving food and having something portable and easy to eat while you're on the go, as mm-hmm. they say. Mm-hmm. While people have been coating things in dough and frying or baking them for a long time, empanadas specifically are believed to have roots in Spain and Portugal. Recipes for them started appearing after the Arabs arrived in Iberia, beginning in the 700s CE. A popular story goes that an Algerian general named Tariq was sent to occupy Tangier, which was an area just north of Morocco, and then make his way to Spain after that, and he brought these Algerian influences and traditions with him, perhaps among them, the empanada. I love that it's like this one guy (laughs) did it. Yeah. Um, Another theory goes that the empanada came from, or was at least influenced by, the Italian calzone. However it happened, all these influences came together in Spain, or they probably did, because people do still like to debate these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, like Iberian Peninsula-ish. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And these early empanadas were most likely large, uh, round or rectangular, two-crusted pies, commonly filled with meat and available produce. Later, things like onions and peppers were common. Um, And this pie was then sliced and divided out. Around this time is when the name was first used in the written record as well. Mm -hmm. 
by the 12th century, empanadas featured in Spanish art. A recipe for empanadas stuffed with seafood was published in a cookbook out of Catalan in 1520. And this is the first kind of known written recipe. And it implied that the recipe had Arabian, Italian, French, and Catalan influences. And food historians suggest that empanadas may be closely related to the Arabic meat pies, samosas. Uh, But yeah, they were great uh, options for workers in the fields who needed something easy and handheld. I feel like every time we talk about sandwiches or anything like that, where the bread or dough is kind of like easy, (laughs) easy wrapper. (laughs) Either the package or, or, um, or right, part of what you can eat later. Then yeah, it's just like, yep, it was convenient. It wasn't because if someone gives you a handful of stew, what you going to do with that? Uh, but if someone Probably gives you <laughs> a bread pocket full of stew, you're like, heck yes, I take this with me. Heck yes. Um, <laughs> according to Rachel Lawden in her book, Cuisine and Empire, a three-day feast that took place in Mexico City in 1538 that was attended by Hernan Cortez and the Spanish viceroy at the time featured empanadas filled with fish and other meats and that, quote, live rabbits hopped out of some large empanadas, birds fluttered from others. We talked about, I think, in our pie, our ham pie. We talked about it before. Those big kind of, I think it was our meat pie one. Where yeah, big, um, big fancy pies that in a very, um, right, right, like they they uh, uh, demonstrated that in Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) Um, And as Spanish colonizers arrived to the New World, they brought their empanada traditions with them. Um, They took off particularly in Latin America, where locals filled them with whatever fresh ingredients were available to them and made them portable by shrinking them to handheld size. Ooh, and there's a legend specifically about the first Chilean empanada. Okay. And it does feel very, like, legend, um, but it's uh, fun, so I shall (laughs) share it here. Yes. During a fierce battle in 1540 where Inez de Suarez, who was a mistress of Spanish conquistador Pedro de Valdivia, um, succeeded with only 55 soldiers. um, And she had to find a way to stretch their dwindling food supplies. So instead of baking bread with their final barrel of wheat, she made a pastry dough and slaughtered the remaining animals to use as filling. And this was part of the way they were able to outlast Ah. this attack. Yes. And there's a lot more history there that is uh, problematic, I know. But that is what the, the basis of the empanada version of the story. That is how it goes. Okay. Okay. And yeah, a lot of regional adaptions and experimentations took place when it came to empanadas. In some places, the yeast dough was swapped out for something more pastry-like, um, often cut with beef fat and or butter, or ditching the wheat entirely, opting for corn flour or starches like yuca or plantain. Um, the meats varied with regional specializations developing for beef fillings, particularly, um, whether they involved olives, raisins, eggs, or things like that. Cheese and sweet varieties were created. Really, yeah, just this whole world of available flavors and preparations showcasing histories, ingredients, and traditions of countries and peoples. Yeah, and frequently the the, the intersection of a lot of different countries and peoples um, during that mm-hmm. age of colonization. Um, in some areas, some types were um, were a treat, or or kind of all types might have been a treat uh, due to the labor of making them. Um, families might enjoy 
uh, batches um, of, say, yeah, like deep fried empanadas around um, a holiday like Christmas. Um, Other types were more common. Yes. And uh, empanada ladies would rise early and make their way to populated streets with baskets loaded with fresh empanadas of all kinds, offering cheap, portable, delicious and filling food and helping introduce and instill a love for all these regional varieties. And a lot of articles said a nostalgia as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think that I think that sweet empanadas were a slightly later development um, after sugar became more available. A wave of Asian and Latin American immigrants to the United States in the 1960s um, and with some of them starting restaurants really helped introduce empanadas to this country at large where further experimentation took place. As technology around frozen food improved, frozen empanadas became more commercially available as well. In 1970, Marxist politician Salvador Allende demanded a, quote, revolution flavored with red wine and empanadas when he became president of Chile. Back in the United States, um, uh, South and Central American cuisines saw a boost of popularity around the 20-teens, I think uh, due in part to the boom of these uh, of these independent chefs operating food trucks and also increasing cultural representation on uh, food television. In 2017, um, researchers working with NASA's Cassini probe uh, released closer-than-ever-before-seen images of one of Saturn's moons named Pan. Um, and, and these photos made headlines for, for the moon looking uncannily like a big old space empanada. <laughs> oh, I gotta look those up. Space empanada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Pan like the god Pan, not Pan mm-hmm. like pan, like bread. Um, but I think it's uh-huh. pretty funny that the moon named and right looks like an empanada mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> um also in 2017 um researchers who were looking to um to find ways to improve the usability of animals that are considered pests um and in their specific example they were looking at um this uh this small type of crab called a green crab that has just been plaguing Maine's soft shell crab industry these researchers uh, tested consumer acceptance of uh, less than fancy proteins like this green crab by making empanadas. Aww. And their research indicated that people just love empanadas. My research indicates the same. <laughs> I have only anecdotal evidence, but yes, um, mine as well. <laughs> mine as well. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the cravings, I know. <laughs> yes, yes. But that's what we have to say about empanadas for now. It is. Um, we do have some listener mail for you. We do, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh. Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener Mail. Space hug. Space hug? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Space hug. Yeah, because I feel like a empanada often feels like a yeah, hug. Yeah, it does. It does. But I have space on the brain because of the <laughs> space empanada. So <laughs> cool. Yeah, I usually have space on the brain though. Oh um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and that's actually a good segue into this listener mail. Yes. Leah wrote. First of all, let me say now that we are able to have get-togethers and such, I've gotten more opportunities to be. That person that tells everyone at the gathering some weird food fact. (laughs) The history of the expiration dates, how prized pineapples used to be, and now how odd lobsters are, are some of my favorites. I always say I learned it from Saver. (laughs) First topic, D&D. Okay, yes, this is a food podcast, but you eat food during D&D, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anyways, my husband and I have started playing D&D these last several months and have even hosted, my husband being the DM, a couple of times. I love hosting, especially when I can make the food match with a theme. Hmm. Inspired by your cheese giving, I always have an enormous <laughs> cheese board as well as themed food and a fun magic cocktail. 
The first D&D we hosted, the magic cocktail was a glittered, color-changing drink. To make said cocktails, you steep a couple dried butterfly pea flower buds found on Amazon in gin for about two hours, turning the mixture a deep blue. Then add enough edible luster dust that the mixture is mesmerizing when you stir it. When it comes time for your party, pour two shots of said gin into ice-filled glass for each person. Clear glass so you can see the magic. Simple serve to taste and then hand each guest a little potion bottle, one ounce of lemon juice, and a stir stick. Have each person stir the gin to get the luster really going, then have them pour in the lemon juice and stir. You will see the drink magically turn from a beautiful blue to a lovely purple-pink color. Top with club soda and everyone's healing potion is ready. This could be made with any mixed drink that has citrus in it. This was my all-time favorite, and I plan to bring it back for my Harry Potter-themed Christmas party. And yes, there will be a laughable amount of cheese at that party as well. (laughs) Disclosure, it is edible glitter, luster dust, LOL. Sidebar, I've made that drink for D&D too. Yes, it was delightful. (laughs) Yes, it's so good. Highly recommend. Uh Um, Continued. Second, Guinness World Records. Okay, so I actually hold a Guinness World Record. Well, I am one of a large group involved and had no idea the World Record Guinness had anything to do with the beer Guinness until your episode. So the record was, wait for it, the largest Nerf battle. Ah! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This was five or so years ago, and at the time, we made the record with just over 2,200 people, but the Nerf battles have become an annual event outside of COVID times and have only grown. 4,000 was the most recent. We had an official from Guinness World Records there so that as soon as the initial battle was complete, the record could be awarded. After the initial battle, they had all sorts of smaller battles, forum, age group, different types of Nerf guns to boys versus girls. They even had a costume contest, so obviously I dressed as Katniss from Hunger Games and had a Nerf bow and arrow. The ticket sales always go to a particular cause each year, so it makes me so happy more and more people come each year. The link below is a dramatic retelling of the first year when we got the award. We have yet to be defeated. Hmm. Third, um, I need some of those Star Wars cocktail recipes y'all have mentioned on previous episodes. As of course, I also plan on having a Star Wars-themed party. I have always loved Star Wars and was actually named after Princess Leia. Was I supposed to be named after my grandmother? Yes. Did my parents already have blankets and pillows personalized with my would-be name? Also, yes. But do you argue with a woman who just gave birth after having recently watched Star Wars? Absolutely not. (laughs) So, much to my sweet grandmother's surprise, I was named after a Star Wars princess. It makes me giggle when people ask, oh, Leah, like the Bible. And I say, oh, actually, Leah, as in Star Wars. It is pronounced Leah, as there is one person that says it that way in the OG movies, and my mom's brain just really hung on to that, (laughs) LOL. Okay, I love that. And I was, like, struggling at first because... It's Princess Leia, but I know exactly the scene you're talking about. Aww. It's Doldana in A New Hope. He says Princess Leah, and it always stood out to me, too. Huh. <laughs> yes. I love well, there, that so much. <laughs> there you go. Oh, heck. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like we, we should, we should, uh, we so underuse our Instagram, and we could totally, we could totally post photographs and recipes of all of your cocktails, Annie. My beautiful 20-plus cocktails. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I'm always happy to share share the Star Wars joy and any nerdy cocktails that I come up with. Um, also, congrats on your world, re- your world record. That sounds yeah. so fun. Yes. And your D&D parties sound 
amazing. So good stuff all around. (laughs) Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, We've been having relatively simple ones recently, Um, uh, just like pizza and beer. And uh, and Jim McCormick is always making us Negronis, as previously mentioned in our in our Negroni episode. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, you you used to go really all out, Annie. I did. Uh, It was a whole. I would plan all these like puns and. Um, I think it's just the care, the transporting of the food is yeah. the difficulty for me. If I had a yeah. place and it was at my place, oh, I'd still be going. But <laughs> I still have the stuff to make the color changing drink. So maybe I'll do that Ooh. an upcoming session. Awesome. <laughs> Oh, um, Jared wrote, I love blueberries. I even like the artificial blueberry products that are or have been out there. My favorite Lifesaver lollipop, I don't think they make them anymore, are slash were the uh, blank and cream with the regular Lifesaver candy swirled with uh, a vanilla hard candy. The moment of exultation in the store was seeing a flash of the deep royal purple and white modeling coloring of the blueberry flavor peeking through as I ran my fingers through the box in hopeful searching. Also, I have a very strong memory of the first time I saw and read Blueberries for Sale. I was in grade school, but I don't remember which grade. I found it when I was looking through the books on the teacher's shelf for my next book for free reading. I was intrigued by the tan and navy blue and white monochrome color scheme of the cover with the cherubic titular Sal about to eat a blueberry from the bush next to her. I was precocious enough to see the title and think, is this supposed to be blueberries for sale with a childlike misspelling? Once I began reading, I knew that wasn't the case, but the story had already drawn me in and I just had to know what was so interesting about Sal's blueberry picking trip that made it worthy of being in a book. I have very fond memories of that book. I I love this. I, I need to read this book. I know it's a children's book. I want to read it. <laughs> yeah, no, you should. You should. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. Super producer Andrew. Um. Uh, reported in with with uh, fond memories of the of the book as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's a great intersection of like food and children's books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm also, I love when people have that specific candy that's like part of a bigger package and you're just rifling And you're just like, no, that one. Where's that one? I need that one. Mm -hmm. It was funny. Mm -hmm. uh, I recently was lucky enough that I got to hang out with some friends that I hadn't seen in a while and they bought a bunch of snacks and candy. And one of the things they bought was Twizzlers and it was a bunch of different color of Twizzlers. And by the end of the our hangout time, only one color was left, and that really cracked me up. That, <laughs> that one was clearly the loser. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Every other one was a hit, but people, it's like all of it too. It wasn't like clothes. Oh wow. Which which purple? Which, it was purple? Like a purple. Yeah. Do you know what flavor it was, or was it just kind of purple? It was just kind of I didn't try it. <laughs> oh, 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 oh okay. wait. Huh. Uh, it was kind of a dark, dark purple. Um, but hmm. it was not the winner. It All right. Well, <laughs> I'm sure a listener can help solve this. Also, I could probably easily Google it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's more fun to hear like from the listeners. Mystery. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Y'all tell um, us. 
Yeah, please. And speaking of, thanks so much to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wooden! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast! podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.